Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Last week we began this new series called Blueprint for Worship. And I told you, like, like preparing to build a new property, an investment has to be made in preparation for worship. If you're going to build a house, then you've got to invest in the property first. There's an investment that has to be made. And if you're going to worship God, you have to understand there's going to have to be an investment on your part in order to worship him. You didn't do anything to earn your salvation. There's no investment there on your part. But in worshiping him, you, I've said this many times, you, you don't have to change anything about your life for God to love you. The rankest of sinners, you don't have to do anything in your life for God to love you. You don't have to change for God to love you. But you do have to change to love him back. If you want to express your love to him, there's lifestyle change. And if you want to express your, your worship to him, then it's going to cost you something. And in worshiping the Lord, it cost Mary a bottle of expensive perfume as she poured it out on his feet. And not everyone in the room understood her actions. But I told you, don't criticize someone else's extravagance in worship when you haven't walked their path or fought their war. Some people just realize that God has brought them to it and he brought them through it. And they have a reason to worship him. Amen? Amen. And today, I'm, I'm going to stretch you. I understand this. Matter of fact, today and next week um, in this series, I'm, I'm going to stretch you. Um, some of you... Um, some of you are going to want to go home and read some of what I'm reading to you today and study this more in depth because you're not going to buy into it. You're going to be like, oh, I don't know about that. I promise you everything that I'm telling you, I can back it up with scripture and I will back it up with scripture. But I'm going to stretch you because the power of worship is unseen and it is spiritual. And today I must help you see why it is so important in your life. And to do that, I, I must help you see that God designed you to worship. God designed you to worship. God designed you to clap your hands. God designed you to lift your voice. God designed you to raise your hands. God designed you for worship. And I hope that, that I can do this justice today and that I can help you realize that God designed you. The architect of your life, he designed you to worship him. When we decided that it was time to build on this property, our, our construction management firm, they led us to an architect that sat down with us and helped us determine our space needs, the areas that we would need. Every room was thought out. This project eventually led to the involvement of another architect and, and another draftsman to help um, push the, the, I know when I say this, to, to expedite the process when it took three and a half years. You're like, well, really? Um, but in order to do that, we had to involve another architect and another draftsman that carried this project over the finish line. One thing that I realized during the process was just how powerful the architect is. Up until this point in our lives, I've been a part of some church construction projects before, but, but nothing to this magnitude. And up until this point in our lives, most of the time, the, uh, the construction that we've had, Mandy and I built a couple of houses, not us, but we've had a couple of houses built and invested in that. And it, it was design build. Therefore, the, the, 
contractor designed the house and built the house, and so they could make changes on the fly and, and have them approved fairly quickly. But I realized during the process of this building that the architect was a very powerful person. If changes were made in the field on the job site, then it often required the architect's approval before the work could be completed. And I came to the understanding that the architect can make you or break you. And at times, they can make you and break you at the same time. Very powerful. I remember when we, we got the first elevation drawings of, of this new church. It was exciting for us. I remember when we, we first looked at them as a staff and, and we saw these elevation drawings, I thought, man, that, that's going to look sharp out on that property. Now, it went through a lot of value engineering since then, and this building looks a lot different than the original drawings, but we saved over $1.5 million in the process. Would somebody say, thank you, God? Amen? Well, I'm, I appreciate you, Larry, and uh, Larry understands the value of $1.5 million. The rest of you that can just write that check... Go ahead, we'll pay this thing off quickly. Larry's like me, he's broke, and we just, we're just praising God that we saved a million and a half. After we finally decided on, on this particular footprint, this layout for this building, one of the last pieces to the puzzle, and I remember the day that Pastor Andrew and I, we were, we were in the architect's office, and I just didn't quite like the looks of the building. And uh, even though we did some architectural metal in certain places on the exterior of the building, it was still just a metal building. And I wanted it to, to have a, a, a little flair. And I remember the day that he kind of dropped over a wood front on the, on the front entrance of the building. And I went, that's it. That's it. It's done. That's it. That's what it needed. We, we are good to go. It made it pop. And, and I was pleased with that. Now, what you have to do is you have to understand that in architectural drawings, there's a difference between the floor plan and the elevation. Some of you that are in construction, you understand this. The floor plan, it, it's a drawing on a horizontal plane showing a view from above. But the elevation is drawn on a, on a vertical plane, and, and it shows the vertical concept from the ground up. So that's when you start seeing the height of the building. You start seeing the, uh, uh, this building and the walls of the building and, 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 and it's called the elevation. And when it comes to worship church, God is the architect of it. And he designed it for a purpose. Worship has everything to do with elevation. That from the ground up, it's the elevation of our worship. It, it's admiration that starts here and, and it ascends there. Worship involves us elevating something and focusing our love on a, and attention on, on, on that person, that place, or that thing, whatever it is that we have elevated to a throne in our lives. And we have this natural tendency to elevate ourselves. Stay with me. We have this natural tendency to elevate ourselves above the only one that deserves to be elevated. And this is the very thing that caused a beautiful, angelic creation of God to rebel against God. Oh, I'm about to stretch you, church. I'm telling you. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. You've got you to prepare your heart and mind for this because a lot of times we don't realize what the scripture says about this. But there was this beautiful, angelic creation that God created that rebelled against him. And his name was Lucifer. And, and now we associate Lucifer with something evil. But Lucifer wasn't an evil name. That was his angelic name, Lucifer. And he was designed to worship God and to lead heaven in worship. 
And some people would call it pride. Some may call it a rebellious spirit. But it all revolved around worship. What happened in heaven when Lucifer rebelled, it all had to do with worship. And today I want us to read out of Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 14, Ezekiel chapter 28. How ironic is it that on the day that I want to talk about worship that half of our band is quarantined. Five singers, two band members. Coincidence, church? I don't think so. The enemy hates what is happening because he knows that in exposing him that people will realize their real and true worship to God. What your role is in this. Isaiah chapter 14, starting with verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. He's, he's talking about Lucifer here. How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroy the nations of the world. So, now, I want you to listen before I read this next verse. Listen to these statements that Lucifer, that, that now we know as Satan, listen to the statements that he makes about himself. All of these statements that we're about to read, they're self-elevating. They're, they're, they, they lift up. They exalt oneself. And this is what Lucifer chooses to worship. Verse 13. For you said to yourself, I will ascend. Watch it. I will be elevated. I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain. It's a, it's a high place. On a mountain of the gods far away in the north. That's the top of your map. Verse 14 says, I will climb to the highest heavens and be like, listen to what he calls God, the most high. He says, God, you're the most high and I'm going to climb above you. Because church worship takes place when something is elevated and Lucifer was elevating himself. Verse 15. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. Everyone there will stare at you and ask, can this be the one who shook the earth and made the kingdoms of the world tremble? Is this the one who destroyed the world and made it into a wasteland? Is this the king who demolished the world's greatest cities and had no mercy on his prisoners? Church, if you want answers as to how did our world get to where it's at today, if you want to know what happened, where did we go wrong, this is it. The scriptures that I'm reading to you describes that Satan is out to destroy the world and its great cities. But there's going to be a day when King Jesus, when King Jesus rises from his throne and he is going to come here, he is going to set up his kingdom on this earth and he is going to rule and he is going to reign. His kingdom is here and his kingdom is advancing. Amen? Now let's go back to the beginning before humanity, Ezekiel 28. Listen to what God shows the prophet Ezekiel, verses 13 through 15. He says, you were in Eden, 
Lucifer, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle, and crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. Let's stop just for a moment because I want to help you get this mental picture. This is so important for you to, to understand. I want you to imagine Lucifer covered in a robe with rhinestones. I don't know how many old wrestling fans we have in the room, but how many of you remember Nature Boy Ric Flair? I guess you've seen it a time or two, huh? <laughs> Good Lord. I don't know why I didn't expect that. <laughs> yes. Nature Boy Ric Flair. And when he would come out, he would have these, these robes just adorned with stones. Bedazzled robes before the word bedazzled was a thing. And he would walk out strutting his stuff. Lucifer was covered in precious stones. And as ridiculous as it sounds, they served a purpose. Hold on to that. We'll get there in just a moment. But he was adorned in precious stones for a purpose. Verse 14 says, You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire you walked. You see, God placed him. God placed Lucifer in a place of authority. I was raised in a pastor's home. I've been in full-time ministry for 23 years. And I have seen where the enemy attacks churches the most. And it's always in their music department. And I'm not talking about COVID. Although I do believe that he orchestrated this one today. But I know, I've watched it way too many times, and the place where he will attack churches the most is in the music department because Satan knows what true worship looks like, and if he can get their eyes off of the one that should be exalted, then he has hindered a church's ability to worship in spirit and in truth, and God will not share his glory. I want you to understand the heart of this team the ones that are here today and the ones that are at home watching right now, the heart of this team is not to receive honor, not to receive glory. Everything that they do, although they may be under the spotlights for, for streaming purposes, I want you to know that their hearts are not in the limelight. They do this because they want to see the Son of God high and lifted up. They want to see him glorified. They want to see his train fill the church because they know to worship him in spirit and in truth, they must not, they cannot elevate themselves. And team, it is something for all of us to remember. Every leader in this room, you remember this. It is not your place to be glorified. It is, I am the pastor of this church, but let me tell you, it is not for me to be high and lifted up above anyone else. This is not my church. It's his church. Verse 15 says, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created. You hear that? God created him in perfection. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. Church, it was at that moment that Lucifer was kicked out of heaven. And the scripture says that a third of the angels fell with him. 
In the New Testament, after Jesus sends out 72 of his followers, he, he commissions them, sends them out to, to, to lay hands on people and to heal people and, and, and to cast out demons. And when those 72 returned, they, they were so amazed that the demons must submit to them because of the name of Jesus Christ. They were so amazed in that. And they, they look at Jesus and they said, even the demons have to submit to us in your name. And Jesus, in response to them in Luke 10 and 18, he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I think we just sang about that last Sunday. I saw Satan. This is what Jesus says. He says, I was there when Lucifer was kicked out of heaven because of his rebellion. He said, I saw him fall like lightning. I, I, I want to make sure that you get this amazing imagery in your head today. Lucifer was created as one of the most beautiful angels ever created. I'm not sure that there was ever a creation as beautiful as Lucifer. Lucifer was a stud. And Scripture alludes to, to at least three archangels. Now, only one of them in Scripture is referred to as an archangel, but theologians, most theologians agree that, that there's at least three archangels that are mentioned in the Bible, the first one being Michael. Michael is, is the archangel over prayer. We, we, we read about Michael when Daniel was, was praying to God for 21 days in Babylon, and he was waiting on his answer to come. And when the messenger finally got to him, when the angel finally got to him, he said, listen, me and Michael, we've been up in the heavenlies. He said, we've been trying to get this answer to you, but we've had a battle on our hands. And any time that you are praying, you have to understand that Michael is fighting for you. Then you have Gabriel. Gabriel is the archangel over the word. Anytime we see the word of God pronounced, Gabriel was the one that was, was relaying that message. We watched this happen with, with Zechariah. When God told him that, that he was going to, to have a child, that he and Elizabeth were going to have a child, he sent Gabriel to, to, to bring that message to him. We know that, that Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she received the, the knowledge from heaven that she was going to deliver the Son of God, it was Gabriel that God sent with his word. So he's the archangel over the word. But there was a third one, and his name was Lucifer. And he was the archangel over worship. This was his responsibility in heaven because God would not share his glory with anyone. And, and as heaven would erupt in praise to a holy God, Lucifer was the one that was set on the mountaintop to lead them in worship. The New King James Version of the Bible tells us in Ezekiel 28 and 13 that God designed and created Lucifer. He was the architect behind him. And he created him with instruments built inside of him. The Bible says that they were timbrels and and pipes. And then as Isaiah 14 and 11, it explains to us that he had a stringed instrument inside of him, a stringed instrument built within him. And it says that when he is cast down to shale, when he's cast down to hell, that you will hear the sound of his harp. This isn't as strange as it looks. It's not as strange as it sounds, church, I promise you. As I read this to you and as I, as I preach this message and, and, and you try your best to envision what he looked like, if, if you're like me early on, I, I started picturing things like he had a trumpet stipping, sticking out of this rib over here and he had a big tuba over here, you know, and he had maybe cymbals between his knees, you know, and, and that's how I, and I was just like, this is a strange character, right? 
I mean, you know, we get over to the book of Revelation and we start reading about dragons and beasts and all that stuff. And in our minds, we start thinking all this weird stuff and we don't realize that these, these writers, they had no idea what they were seeing. And some of the modern technology that I believe that, that prophecy speaks about, they just didn't know what they were looking at. And so they didn't know that, that something with fire coming out of it could have been a rocket going across the sky. They didn't understand that stuff. And so as the Bible describes Lucifer and how God made him, don't think that it's all that strange because you too were created with instruments built within you. All of the instruments that Lucifer was created with, you have, you possess. God made you to look a lot like him. Percussion. I dated a cheerleader one time. Percussion, stringed instruments. You have these things that are called vocal cords. It's the stringed instrument. La, 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 la. You try it. But it's a joyful noise that we're supposed to make to the Lord. <laughs> That was a noise, all right. <laughs> wind instruments. When the wind begins to pass over your vocal cords, produces a sound. Pastor Andrew is one of the greatest whistlers on the planet. He is. This guy, he gives Axl Rose a run for his money. This guy is amazing when it comes to whistling. I'm not going to put him on the spot and make him whistle, but maybe when he comes to close up the service today, he'll give you a little taste of it. <laughs> and all instruments fall into these three categories. Percussion. String. Wind. We separate them into brass and woodwind. Lucifer was this beautiful angel created with the ability to lead worship through the instruments that God had created within him. And God placed him up on a mountaintop adorned with precious stones for no other purpose but to lead heaven in worship to an almighty God. But rather than see Lucifer high and lifted up on a mountaintop, the stones that adorned him, they reflected the glory of God. When, when I was a middle schooler, I used to hang out at the skating rink a lot. We, I actually worked at the skating rink. I was a DJ at the skating rink for a number of years. And when we would turn on the slow songs, couples only, I'd reach over and I'd flip some light switches and all the lights in the skating rink would go out and we had these little pin spots that would hit the disco ball in the middle of the room. When Satan, Lucifer, 
was up on the mountaintop adorned with his instruments and the rhinestones. When God would walk into the, the vicinity of that area, his light would begin reflecting. You didn't see Lucifer. You saw the glory of God reflecting off of him. He looked like a shining star is what the Bible says, reflecting God. His very name, Lucifer, meant day star or son of the morning. He was described, he was named as a star. In our solar system, there are some clumps of dirt and, ga and gas that, that for the untrained eye, they, they just look a lot like stars from Earth. And, and these planets are close enough to the sun that they simply reflect the sun's light. I often, my wife will tell you, I often go outside and I look up. I've got an app on my phone that will show me where things are at. I'm a geek when it comes to this kind of stuff. And, and, and I will often look around for the five visible planets from Earth Mercury and Jupiter, Saturn, Venus, and Mars. And if you have really, really good vision, I don't, but if you have really good vision, you might be able to see Uranus. And I have in my notes, insert middle school joke here, but I'm not going to. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> but my, my favorite celestial body to look at is the moon. Probably because it's the most closest to us. It's the most visible that we can see. But I love to walk outside and look at a full moon as the sun's light is reflecting off of this ball of dirt. My wife would probably tell you that's a lot like what I am. I'm just a ball of dirt with a little bit of gas. I'm a celestial body. I am nothing more than a big ball of dirt. He reached down and he began to form out of the dirt of the earth, Adam, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, which gave life to each and every one of us. But we're nothing more than a big ball of dirt. And our job is to reflect the sun. Amen. That's all we're supposed to, we're just supposed to reflect the sun. In worship to him, we're just supposed to reflect the sun. Lucifer, that was your job. Just lead the congregation of heaven in worship and reflect the sun. That's all that you have to do is just reflect his glory. But he became focused on himself. It's a satanic spirit. And it haunts each and every one of us if we're not careful. Because it rises up and we fight this need to be high and lifted up because we want the attention, we want the accolades, we want the compliments. And we have this tendency to focus on me, me, me. I'll prove it to you. Answer me this. When you and a group of friends or family members take a group photo and you look at it for the first time, who do you look for first? You, you, you. That's who you look for. Listen, I used to be that way, but my, my family knows I hate taking pictures. And the reason I hate taking pictures is because it's never just one. Because they always look at the, the phone or the camera and they zoom in to see, oh, my eyes were closed. Or, oh, I'm not, my mouth looks funny right there. No, no, no. Uh, that, that's not my good side. I used to be like that, but I just decided if my wife and daughter are happy with the picture, I'm happy with the picture. And the reason why so many people have a hard time worshiping, listen to me, please, please listen to me, church. 
The reason why so many people have a hard time worshiping, the only one worthy of worship is because we're too self-centered. We walk into this room and it's about me, me, me. Well, I don't like the music. Yeah, because it's about you. Our problems, our authority, our position, our pain, our pleasure, our reputation. Me, me, me. And Satan fell from glory. Because it was all about me, me, me. In the Garden of Eden, it was a fallen Lucifer, now Satan, which means deceiver. So he went from being the morning star to deceiver. He was successful in the Garden of Eden in getting the first man and the first woman to take their eyes off of a holy God. Think about this. They had walks with God in the garden in the cool of the day. That was a privilege that they had. And a very bitter, angry former worship leader got them to get their eyes off of a holy God and focused on themselves. This is how Satan works, church. It, it, it doesn't even become, hey, stop worshiping him and worship me. Satan, he's, he's wise to this. He knows that for the majority of us, we're not going to lay down our religion and our Bible and just become Satanist. But if he can't get the glory, he certainly doesn't want God to get the glory. And so he convinced them in the Garden of Eden to get their eyes off of God and to focus in on themselves. And he deceived them with a lie that they believed that once you eat this fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. And it's a tendency that we all fight. And this has always been our problem when it comes to worship. We make it more about us than it is about him. Band, if you will, all both of you, you, get, you guys come on up. Last week, I briefly spoke about that, that day that, that David danced before the Ark of the Covenant as it was being brought into Jerusalem, how he just lost his mind in worship. A number of years later, when his son Absalom built the temple of God in, in Jerusalem, he summoned the ark from the city of David, which was right outside the, the city gates of Jerusalem, right outside the wall where the temple would be. And he summoned the ark to be brought there, from there into the temple. And there was this big celebration because that ark, remember now, it represents the presence of God. David danced before the ark as it was brought into Jerusalem. Now his son Absalom which, which shows me this, parents, moms, dads, your kids are watching what you're worshiping. The very thing that David worshiped is the very thing that Absalom would worship. 
Men, don't be afraid to raise your hands in reverence to a holy God because little eyes are watching you. And what you worship, they will worship. And Absalom, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Solomon, not Absalom. I've been saying Absalom the whole time. It's Solomon. Solomon, when Solomon built the temple, he planned this huge celebration. And they're bringing the ark in. And as they bring the ark into the temple, they're, they're singers. There's dancers. There's musicians. Oh, I can only imagine the throne room of heaven on that day. When a holy God said, yes, Satan, you used to lead my, my angels in, in worship. You thought you won. When a third of them rebelled against me, you thought you won, but now look at my people. Watch Solomon as he brings this, this, this ark into into the temple. You watch them dance. You watch them sing. You watch them lift their voices. You watch them play instruments. Do you think there's any other reason why he created the human race? He was looking at Satan and said, I'll teach you something. You don't want to worship me? I'll create a people that will want to worship me, and I'm not going to force them. If they don't want to worship me, they don't have to, but there will be some, and they will lift their hands, and they will lift their voices. 2 Chronicles 5, verses 13 and 14 says, The trumpeteers and singers perform together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. They raise their voices and praise the Lord with these words. So everybody begins singing this. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Would you say that with me? He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Say it again. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud. For the glorious presence of the Lord Filled the temple of God. Oh God, let it happen. Let your glory fill this room so thick, Lord, that I can't perform my duty. God, let us worship you in such spirit and in truth that we deny ourselves and we exalt the only name that deserves to be exalted. Let us, Lord, as clumps of clay, balls of dirt, let us shed our glory and let us reflect the sun. Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.